so pumped for this return uh, guest to come onto the show. And what's, what, what's exciting about this, this guest, which is uh, none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Robin, um, is between the last episode where we recorded, which seems like a decade ago, which it wasn't that long ago, but COVID has warped time. Um, I had a chance to actually see Jeff in person, have an incredible dinner with Jeff. I got to attend the Deeper Learning Conference and see him over at, at High Tech High. And so it just cemented so many um, amazing thoughts and ideas I have around him and his thoughts on, on project-based learning, where if you do know him, you know that's his wheelhouse, or, or I should say one of many trades um, that he brings to the table. And so this is exciting to kind of have a, a follow-up conversation that we can share with with, with all of you, because um, just a lot of things have happened since the last time, and, and, and we all know it's a lot of things that happened to all of us in the world. So, Jeff, before we get into our, our fun, powerful conversations here today, or, or maybe uh, a chaotic swirl of, of, of thought nuggets, for those that don't know who you are, let's start off with just, uh, you know, the introduction, who are you, what do you do, and maybe in some ways I should say, what did you do, and what are you doing now? Which I know is a lot of things. So let's start there and then we'll, we'll push right into the fun. Well, um, thank you for having me back. Um, it's great to be on. I was a avid uh, yearbook uh, editor and photographer from ninth grade to 12th grade. And pretty much that taught me everything I needed to know for the rest of my life. Um, although it was before the digital age. So I had to learn Photoshop and stuff like that. I uh, went to Emerson College and I studied art and education and writing. Um, I taught for three years in middle school in San Diego. And then I taught in Mexico City for a year. And then I got my MFA at California College of Arts and Crafts. Now they cut off the and crafts part. And I went back to teaching. I thought I wanted to teach college, but I was dismayed that they don't do their homework either. And I taught AP art history for a couple of years. And then we started High Tech High in 2000. And I was uh, one of the founders of the school. And, and uh, there was just a handful of us that ended up sticking around. And I was able to make the school into just what I wanted. I had taught for 11 years before I got there. I knew how to have classroom control and I knew how to do projects. My whole life was projects from when I was five years old and my next door neighbor came running around the side of the house with a handful of uh, sawdust. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, follow me. And then I started doing like projects. Um, and so I, we set up the school that way. And it was this great way to do integrated project-based learning. I was an English teacher. I was a history teacher. I was a physics, even a math teacher. Um, and we, combi we combined it with art. And the, what I learned from Emerson was uh, everything's about communication. So my goal was to you know, have the students do a pro give an assignment to the students. And then I would help them explain what they've learned and they could turn that into their project. So it turned out, unlike most people, when they go to college or graduate school, they don't use what they've learned. I used exactly what I learned. And if I was going to recommend um, to anybody, like what, what path to follow if you want to go into education, take, take communication classes, because you need to be able to communicate and they need to be able to communicate back what they've learned, the students. And um, while I was at High Tech High, I started this two things. One, uh, do the project yourself first. That way, you know what goes into it. You know where the uh, bottlenecks are. You know if it's going to be a, a learning, a great learning experience. And you're going to also learn, is it fun or not? If it's not fun, the chances are the kids aren't going to like it. And if you're bored with it, they're going to be bored too. And the second thing I did was document every single thing my students did. And I put it up online. And that's because Ron Berger from EL Learning came to visit and said, hey, you need to document all your stuff. This is great. And it'll really help other people. And what it does is it does help other people. And go to my website. It's still up at jeffrobin.com. 
and um, it helps other people, it helps students, it helps parents, it helps the community see what's going on in the school. I hate it when, like we live in kind of a fancy neighborhood in La Jolla, California, and people always say, oh, I hear the schools are so good there. And I'm like, well, what do you hear? Like, what, do you, what have you seen? What kind of work do they do? And they're like, oh, the schools are just good. And they're talking about, they're, unfortunately, they're talking about, um, uh, you know, who goes to school there Right. And, and, and uh, basically, you know, and I'm not going to get all political right now, who goes to school there <laughs> and also um, what the test scores are and screw test scores. I mean, test scores just uh, show how, you know, like how successful the teachers were with getting everybody to think alike. And, and I know now it, there's a whole idea going on in the world. Oh, it's good to be like everybody else and you've got to you got to be able to fit in and you have to you know be a part of society and grind through it but I grew up in the 70s or the 60s 70s and even in the 80s and free to be you and me I think education should show people all the different things they could be instead of trying to get them to conform so um, that's what I did and then in 2017 my two kids were at high tech high and the dream of being their teacher was not, turns out wasn't the dream. Because <laughs> it, it gets political, you know, like there's fights and there's arguments with the teachers and other teachers and kids and, and it just, and I saw it was affecting their education by me being there and certainly my wife did too. So I, I bounced as they say, and, um, or no, now it's I whipped. Uh, there you go. And, <laughs> it'll, and, uh, it'll be be a new word by the time this gets published. Yeah, yeah, the words change almost like every two weeks. Yeah. And um, I went into doing. Uh, I went back into doing my own art. I uh, also did uh, websites for people, and I went to work for being an industrial designer. I went and I did what I was teaching. Like I designed things. I get them made. I document it, and. Um, so I, it turns out like I, I could do other things other than teach. And I always knew I could. Uh, and then I still have been playing with education. I uh, wrote a book with Gene Kluver called Changing the Subject. And it's uh, 20 years of project-based learning at High Tech High. Um, during COVID, I wrote a book called uh, A Year of Art. And I documented, um, I continue to document the art that I made over that year. Um, how our house burned down and and how my children are left and went off to college. So it's a, a very personal book. And then I also did um, Teach Like an Artist. And that's my full 55 projects. I think it's either 52 or 55, depends how you count them, of all that I did when I was at High Tech High. I'm pretty sure they're all in there. But it's... it's um, I think it's like my capstone uh, uh, teacher reflection project. It's it's the end. It's it's equivalent to my, uh, you know, like when teachers retire. I don't know how many times I've moved uh, like those little uh, filing cabinets from their from their office at school to their house for them because they were really heavy and they were full of the worksheets that they accumulated. Right. So this book, Teach Like an Artist, is basically my um, my. Uh, my uh, carefully choreographed uh, uh, file cabinet. Um, and there's lots of images in it. And there's also, as I gave the book to my dad and four months later, he's like, hey, that was pretty good reading. I'm like, you just read it now? And I'm like, thanks, dad. But it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's thoughtful, it's honest, and it shows what I learned from my students and how I changed for the next group of students. And it has, uh, it has my exemplars I put in there. And it also has uh, my student work in there as well. And some other things too that I believe are important in education. Um, and I think if you're gonna be an art teacher, you should definitely get this book. I think if you wanna see what you know, school could have been like, get this book but it was what I wanted school to be like. I wanted, it's what I made school. Like I wasn't great at taking Spanish. And I, instead of, you know, memorizing the words, I made a uh, model of the, I mean, of the uh, 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 
Panama Canal for my teacher. And that's how I passed Spanish class, which kind of bit me in the ass later because I moved <laughs> to Mexico City and met my wife and we speak Spanish at home. But I learned it. But it's this idea that not everybody has to do the same thing to be successful. That your, your students, the goal isn't to make everybody the same. The goal is to get everybody to learn something and to be able to explain what they learned. And, and, and it infuriates me when, when people say, oh, we have to have every student do this or everybody needs to do that. And that's, it's just colossal. It's, it's not even like realistic in society. Like some people are doctors, some people are lawyers, some people are artists, some people do nothing and get paid heavily, but we, we need everybody. We can't, we can't have everybody being the same and their past wouldn't be the same. So that's what I tried to do. And I guess I continue to try and do that. Um, although I, I wake up like two hours later every day and I stop working at, at two every day. So yeah, so my day is went from six in the morning till five at night to like 10 in the morning till two in the afternoon. So hey, there you go. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And I know you were just talking about that idea of not everybody being the same and it's, uh, the perfect segue we I was just having a conversation I'm in a pro helping uh, two educators with a project that that we're doing right now and um we we're just having this conversation with the students as we're the final details right like the the work's been done now it's just the small little nuances of of clarity of communication of the work that we've done the reflection and sometimes that is like the hardest part especially as the school year is coming to a close but we were just talking that same conversation of you've got to hold on strong to celebrate you and what you've done in your growth journey and i you know we were just telling them like you're going to leave sixth grade this particular class you, you, you don't even have a driver's permit and you already have a resume that's bigger than a large portion of adults through this project and, and previous projects that we've done because you can now speak to, you know, how you have grown as a human as well as building your awareness. And we reframed it as like, but you all have a different context to that experience. Like you all have a, a, your own individual narrative and in what that growth was. Like we have goals that we're trying to achieve in the education system but what that looks like for me um even compared to the educator compared to the media specialist even and then the kids like we're all taking away different parts depending on how i think when it comes to this authentic learning project-based learning it, it hits you in different spots different times and in in different ways and i think that's that's what gets caught in this idea that we see in education so much of the same for everyone and doing, you know, becoming these, these mechanized robots is it is the same in the sense of the opportunities are there for them, you know, and, but giving them the space to just be a regular person um, to dive into that work, discover something new about themselves. That's where the magic is. And I think trying to figure out how to weave that in where people understand that, um, I think a lot, of, a lot of people in education, administrators, teachers, whatever your role might be, want that. But it's a hard thing to understand how to do it. And therefore, I think sometimes COVID did not help. We've gone back to almost that industrial age of digital worksheets, the same method, everybody on the same page doing the same thing. Um, and it's, it's getting lost. Sometimes it feels like you're, you're going back to ground zero. Um, at least I feel that some ways. And the work that I've been trying to do both doing stuff in the classroom and now supporting schools. And it's like, oh man, we, whatever ground we, we gained, we, we've lost it due to just societal things that, uh, you know, caused a wrench in, in education in some ways. I think it's a, a good wrench to have. Yeah, you know, I, when it, COVID hit, I was like optimistic. I'm like, maybe this will change. It's <laughs> yeah. a perfect time to do project-based learning because they're at home, they could be doing this. And yeah, none of that happened. Um, I think... Uh, People, you know, in times of difficulty, they get, they kind of become, you know, more conservative. They start to worry, but the people start becoming engineers more often. They, their knee-jerk reaction is, let's go back to math. And, um, well, design, 3D design, um, uh, 
computer design is the new math for the 21st century. This idea that, you know, calculus is only good for a certain amount of the people in the world, like they want to be engineers, and they're only engineers for a little bit, then they go into business. So you might as well teach engineers a little statistics and how to use, uh, how to use, uh, uh, you know, a, a outlook, you right. know, or not outlook, uh, uh, the Excel. One, uh, Excel, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody needs to learn Excel because right. that's how you're going to be doing business. Um, I think that design is certainly in America, we are the content providers for the world. Hence, that's why everybody speaks English. Um, every student should be taking like how to make a website, how to design things, how to make things look interesting, how to tell their story, how to tell their ideas. And uh, those are things that we can do, but it's that traditional, it's people like me, they're from baby, like, well, I'm not a baby boomer. Luckily they're almost out of education, but uh, us, uh, me, uh, Gen Xers, you know, it's like, it's hard for us to give up our Michigas, that idea that this is the way it's always been done. Right. And, um, and we, we have to, we have to look at what people are doing now and we have to look at what's important and where money's coming from and where, our society is going to go and and the kids know that they can create and I think everybody should be a creator not a just a duplicator um, and you need to show anybody that's ever made a piece of art puts it up displays it anybody that's ever made anything shows everyone and this idea that you don't have websites or you don't put it up work up around the school it means nothing's being done and, right. you know, I say this so emphatically and it, it makes people so angry. I said, well, if I walk into a school and I see nothing on the hallways, nothing in the classrooms, I said, oh, so no work is being done. No, they're just taking quizzes and tests. And people say, no, that's not true. And it, it's, it's not true. You're, you're judging it without seeing it. And, and how can you do that? Well, I've been in education for 30 years and I was in school for another 20 before that. So that's 50 years that I've been going into places and I can see if it's bullshit or not. Right. And, and, and it's like, if things aren't hanging up, it means you haven't done anything worth hanging up. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily projects as you see in the book that we made, uh, uh, I'll give it a plug again, uh, changing the subject and there's changing the subject.org. So you don't need to buy the book. You can, uh, it's very cheap though on Amazon, but it, you can look at it and see that they're not all about building. It's not all about art, but it's about kids doing work, kids doing things, kids talking to each other and, and then be able to show what they've done. Getting something out of it is so important. And, and I think that's the kind of work that they need to do. And that's the kind of work we need to do to make up for this last two years of, of uh, or now it's three years. And I don't know how this year went, but I, I couldn't teach with a mask. When you came to see me at, at, uh, at uh, <laughs> Deeper Learning, I thought I was going to be hyped. They gave me an N95 and I never put an N95 mask on before. And I was wearing it dutifully. And I thought it was going to be hypoxic. I just right. couldn't, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, I see, I would have been the worst teacher over COVID and it's like, I, I mean, I, at least I'm upfront about it. I couldn't have done it. And, yeah. and I applaud everybody that did. And, and I know it was so hard and I know it was awful and it's still going on, but now is the time to, to, you know, to, as I mentioned before, free to be you and me, we got to let everybody get out there and give them an opportunity to, to do work and what they're interested in and if the teacher does the project themselves first and if the administrator does something too that will free them up they won't be so worried that the kids aren't learning but it's it's when you start to I know this teacher now and I've I, I really do love her and she's adorable and she's worked at high tech high forever. And I've always asked her to do the project yourself first, but she just never does. And she's a nutcase in the classroom. She's hovering over the kids all the time, <laughs> making sure that they do the work. And I'm like, if you did it yourself first, you would know that, yeah, they are doing the work or let them screw up and, and then they'll fix it. And they'll learn so much more from that. But it's this idea, this nervous nilly idea that you won't, you won't get project-based learning unless you do it yourself first. So you yeah. can see firsthand how it is that you learn. And I, and I know so many people that teach project-based learning 
and I beg them to do the project themselves first. And then they tell their, and just this morning, I heard somebody, a guy who I taught and he never did. And now he's a teacher and, and, uh, and he told his students, hey, you got to do the project yourself first. It's really important. And, and so I don't care that he didn't do it, but it's nice that people are saying it because if you're doing project-based learning, you're developing your own curriculum. And, and I have this little animation on my website. It's called Textbook Me Not. Well, the cool thing about doing project-based learning is you don't have to use somebody else's textbook, but you got to use your own. You got to come up with this. And textbooks just didn't pop up out of the air. There was a lot of work that went into it. Right. Not great work always, but sometimes there was. And, uh, and so you have to develop your own curriculum. And even as I taught, before I was a full-time art teacher, I taught AP, I taught remedial English. I taught all kinds of things. And I always had to create my own curriculum because I had students that didn't match up with the curriculum that they, the state was laying down on me. So I had to come up with things for them. I had to find alternatives. And, um, and, and, and so that's, that's the thing about being a teacher. And, and one other thing, like I was a workaholic. I, I was not balanced with it. I did not exercise. I gained tons of weight. I, I obsessed over my job. I, every vacation we went on, we traveled all over the place, but I brought the kids with too. And they saw me looking for ideas for projects everywhere. And it was all about my job. And I loved being a workaholic. It felt so good. Um, and that's why I was successful. And that's why I was successful in a place like High Tech High. And if you don't want to be a workaholic, it's really hard to do what I'm suggesting. And yeah. I've, I've come to that point now. I can't, I used to say everybody could do this. Well, everybody can kind of do it. But if you're not going to give it 110%, it's, it's just, it's not going to be as shiny as what I did. Yeah. But look at what I did and take the shiny parts and throw the other crap away. Like I possibly maybe full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got, I mean, I've got both of your books here. I've got the Teach Like an Artist and the Changing the Subject with are both well worth every penny you have to have the, these copies. And I remember going out to High Tech High well over 10 years ago, and I'm not from a, a, a background of art. I was a, a, at that time a social studies teacher. I taught some computer, which at that time was called AKA keyboarding. Um, and I remember going out to be excited because it worked because I felt like I was on this pathway of project-based learning and then going out there and realizing uh, my, my thoughts had to deepen a little bit. But I was so caught in awe in your space and in your work that it really, like your art studio, I know the classroom, but it just felt there was an energy and a space to it that, that had always like gravitated me towards. And that's what I love about the works that you have. Cause I would go back and try to describe it. And there's no way I could do justice. Um, I could take a picture at that time. You had the, the massive mural was up on the wall with the different panels and I could show people that I could show people how the school looked different, but it wasn't the same. And so you've got your book on all your art projects, which I take everywhere I go. And I also now have the changing the subject um, that you wrote with Jean. And this is, also one I love taking because there's I would say a lot more diversity in the sense of it's not just like, your art wasn't just art you had calculations you had physics and all this but this you you can bring this to a first grade teacher all the way up to a high school teacher there's something for everyone but the question that I want to ask you on this is because I agree one of the biggest things that rarely ever happens is to do the project first no matter how you try to do it provide space and time and energy to help them do that um but the other piece that's missing is this documentation. And I'm interested in some of your thoughts. You've gone through it through all your years of teaching. You've been supporting districts. Just some ways to, to think about how to create those, those moments of, of, of to capture the documentation. Because I look at it, we documented everything like crazy in this project we did first semester at NASA with this classroom. We're in this project now. Um, school year just got real kind of goofy um, and we didn't document as well as we should. And now here we are, we're actually trying to create a, a book um, similar to the inspiration of what you have here that shows the education journey of this project. Like not just like, hey, here's the final thing, but actually 
that's really kind of irrelevant. It's cool, but it's the whole thing of what the kids have written and recorded and reflected on. And it's just like, man, I really wish we would have snagged a picture of that this day or that. And, you know, and it, you don't have to document 24 seven, but it's a missing piece because now we want, now we're like trying to go back and be like, how do we make sure people don't miss out? Like to understand that this small little moment, this small lesson, this one thing we did that didn't seem huge at the time without it, actually, we wouldn't be at the finish line now without it. Like the, the finish line, we would have got there, but it wouldn't have been, you know, the, the ribbon we, we wanted, so to speak. And so that's really long-winded way, but like, what are some things that you suggest to help people? Because I, I feel like that almost needs to be a college course uh, in education, not that the degree needs any more classes, but there's a, the art of teaching and there's an art of like storytelling and documentation. And I agree with you. If you don't have, whether it's a physical book or whatever your, 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 your story mode is going to be, at the end of your school, you're going, look at what we did question me type of thing out of confidence and in your library you had like all the teachers you had like an anthology set of all the crazy stuff like and anybody wants to know about the learning you just send them to the space which hopefully is live and active they can look at all these projects and now you're like you're also inspiring others and that's the beauty of it now like i could i could talk about jeff robin but now i can say hey borrow these i'm gonna come back in a week and let's talk like and it it's hard to argue that it can't happen if you're willing to put the time and energy in. It's so ironic that you set it up or maybe you'd saw it on my website, but I have this coaster that I used to print up like a coaster, like, you, you know, the, yeah. you write on it. And when you're drunk and you're coming up with ideas <laughs> and stuff, because I love the way you write on it. and like the way the pen bleeds into it. Yeah. It's beautiful to me. It feels like toothsome somehow. So I made these coasters. I don't have any left anymore, but I should probably reprint them. And it says four steps to project-based learning, jeffrobin.com. First, do something. Do something, make something in your subject area. And then I write down, what was your process? And it has uh, numbers one through six. Have your students do your process, show their work. And in by doing it, the project myself first, I find out where the the critical points are. And those are um, the process. Those are process points, like in the mini project you do that has them learn about, um, it, it has them experience what the final project's gonna be, but it has them do it in a smaller way. And so I have all these things and then everything the student hands in is the stuff that they need to document. Yeah. So I have the students document their own progress with this. And then I can go around with now iPhones are better than any phone in the world. I used to have a, like some of the pictures in the book are tiny because I shot it with a two megapixel camera, you know, <laughs> 22 years ago, right? That, was, that but, was groundbreaking then, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was groundbreaking. It was amazing. <laughs> I even had one. Um, my, my dad always would get me cameras. Um, so the, so now you can walk around with your camera and shoot these pictures. But if your students work, they hand in, like if you look at the, if you go online and you look at the Staircase to Nowhere project, mm -hmm. the students had to uh, define a staircase. And there's examples of the defining a staircase because most people don't even know to look at it. And they, we sent them out with rulers and we said, define a staircase and make a poster about that staircase. And then, and then I had them make a one to 10 scale models by playing. And then I had them make uh, uh, one to five scale models by uh, collaborating and designing. And then I had them make one to one staircases that uh, would change the community. And so all of those things, and those kids that did the one to, the one, -to -one staircases big all over the school, they had to hand in six pages that mm. were eight and a half by 11 formatted to go in the book. I didn't touch a thing. I just put their work into the book and they got to decide how they wanted to present it. And so it was part of the design was them documenting. And so right. that's, I didn't have as much, I, I mean, for me, the most work is doing the project myself first and planning it out and going to Home Depot every morning. And it just, um, it's funny, I have a picture of my, my son's in college. At, well, you know what? He's at Colorado College and he took his first, um, a very expensive school. He took his first uh, 
uh, 3D design class. He was so excited to finally make and do stuff. And his teacher would say, hey, I'm gonna buy everybody's supplies. Tell me what you need. And then he, they showed up to class the next day and the teacher hadn't gone to Home Depot yet. And so he wasted days doing uh, it. He didn't buy the right stuff. And and uh, and I sent, and Feli was calling me and saying, oh, this sucks. Like, I can't do this. And, and I sent him a picture of him and his brother at six o'clock in the morning with me buying a ton of two by fours for my class. Cause I woke up early in the morning and got what I needed for my students. And that was a free class for 50 kids. And this was a, I don't know, $10,000 class for eight kids, you know, it's yeah. like, and, um, and it's just, and I'm sure he's a young guy. I'm sure he doesn't know. And I know for a fact, he didn't do the project himself ahead of time, but even college professors need to do that. You right. have to, if you're going to, I don't know, it's like that Bob Dylan song. If you're going to be an outlaw, you have to play by the rules. And, um, and if you're going to do project-based learning, you have to you have to play by the rules. So have the students documented in the deliverables that you are asking from them. Yeah, I like that. I know even in this, just listening to that and reflecting on the where we are in this current project that we are we are underway and trying to think about how to make it better next year and how to make sure it's uh, available to anyone that wants to do it. You know, I think one of the things is we were. We, we did a rough, a rough kind of walkthrough of, in this case, comic creation. And we didn't know a whole lot about comic creation, to be honest. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, we know the, I'll say it, the sales pitch to education is we have to make sure people don't just view it as, oh, that's, that's cute. Like you just gave them coloring time, like, because it gets lost if you're not careful about it. So we went through it and we were fortunate enough that we didn't have in our plant at the time is we've been able to find a couple comic experts, uh, one uh, on DC, another one is a comic editor for lots of different publications. And through that process of being able to work with them online through some Zoom conversations and just some little mini workshops, our brains exploded with truly like all the things to think about the process to look at to eat that we just i mean i honestly feel like i should get a, a college credit for what i've learned in design and art and hues and saturation and uh just well, you all showed them to me yeah. some of those comics, yeah. i was like oh man this is no joke this is <laughs> yeah. really like uh it was pretty damn good um, yeah but that you know as you think about that doing that project like had we not roughed out some of that I don't think we would have got to that point where we actually knew what to ask to actually then have bring in a, a an expert or someone that's in that industry that's willing to share like I'll call it insider tips that you can't find in a textbook like I wouldn't know what to look to even think about those things but because we did the work ahead of time and albeit maybe it wasn't um, to the as in depth as maybe we wanted it to be we also were able to realize like we knew it, but to acknowledge, like, we really, we don't know what we're doing. And so we need to, one, be upfront with the kids. Two, we got to find people that do. And, you know, you, you email a whole bunch of people and hope that one or two land. In this case, we were. And we're right along with the kids. And I think that's a positive message, too, with these students is, like, hey, we're going to, we just did this lesson. Uh, this person shared some insights. We got to pivot some of this project, our end goal is the same. We got to pivot because we just had this whole new learning experience that we didn't even know existed that we need to go follow this path a little bit. And like sometimes the kids can get frustrated in that because I still think they're in, in that brain mode of like the teacher shouldn't know what we're doing every step and it should be, you know, and here we are going, hey, we're vulnerable like you, man. We're like, we're going to get there. But man, we all just learned today. And therefore, to be a lifelong learner we got to pivot and, and 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 adapt which i think is one of the biggest things that kids learn there's a lot of things that kids learn but that pivot and adapting which is all day every day no matter what you do yeah you know it, there was this one teacher that would always go around and say well you learn by your fail you learn more from your failures and i'm like yeah that's true except for you learn by your failures if you then become successful by right. this, not just like saying no oh, i failed and quit and 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 so there's one aspect of it two there's you could have gone out and done the project yourself first and that still would have happened to you um i know when i first started doing those animations i do on my website 
I would start drawing pictures and be laughing and loving it, you know, and then I would record the voiceover and half the drawings I did don't fit into the voiceover. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I spent all that time. So I learned make the voiceover first and ah. then record. And, and when I did the, uh, the Welcome to the Monkey House project where my students made uh, graphic novels from all the short stories of, in that book, um, I knew what I, I knew a process I wanted them to do. I gave them parameters and it's okay to give students parameters. The people that say, oh, project-based learning, we're gonna get together and find out what the kids are interested in. And then they're gonna choose their own subject and then they're gonna do it. And it's like, that sounds so great, but it's, it's not what a teacher supposed to do. We set the parameters. We have them, we have them, we, we have them make it for an audience. They might be the audience, but we have to curate that. We have to show them. Nobody, and one of the things I too, I have a video called Voice and Choice. And I said, um, you know, uh, everybody has an audience, um, artists, and, and everybody has parameters. And artists have canvases, uh, tax attorneys have, or tax lawyer, I mean, accountants have the tax code, pop singers have three minutes and students need set parameters. So you need to set parameters and you let them work within those parameters. You don't tell them what to do, but you have to have some things, otherwise you won't be able to manage the, the project. And this is project management. And this is something I learned like before I got to High Tech High about managing projects. And so when new teachers get into an environment like that and they've never taught before and and I can't even imagine that. It just, it's its tough. But the idea that you at least know what you're asking your students to do, you've been down that path. And once you've been down that path, you backstopped all your knowledge. And even if something changes, you're okay with the change because you, you know that those things can happen. And, um, and a lot of adults are super cool with ambiguity and change. And I, I love them. But I work my ass off trying to be cool with ambiguity, and I, uh, and I, and I think I am when it comes with students. With my own life, I'm not so good. But right. I'm working right. On it. <laughs> but ambiguity is where the beauty comes out. That's where the fun comes. And and you know, like, and you said it before, like after COVID and a post-COVID world. Um, and we're not sure, oh, is this shock going to keep me from dying? Is this, is this pill really going to help? There are all these things that are kind of ambiguous and constantly changing. Um, we're, we're a little gun shy from ambiguity, but we got to think that every experience a student does will be and is successful or even as failure, but then become successful is going to help them grow. And and something else that we have to remember in education, and people get super pissed when I say this, but <laughs> we have to remember, even from, from K through college, even graduate school, there is a certain amount of, um, of, of uh, there's a certain amount of uh, daycare. Mm there's a huge aspect and, and, and depending on how you are, the daycare is different. When they're young in kindergarten, yeah, there's a lot of daycare. When they're in middle school, I, I taught middle school, there's a ton of daycare. And even in high school and certainly in college, like now that I'm seeing both my kids are in college, yeah. I get the daycare. And I remember when I was in grad school getting my MFA and my master's in education it was a certain amount of grad of daycare that was involved I was spending time learning hanging out with other people get, getting a little calm before I like hit the world and before I made serious mistakes so when we say every student needs to be this or you're not at a level god I hate that when somebody says they're not at the sixth grade level well, right. Yeah, they won't be, but at 36, everybody's at the same level. So <laughs> what does it matter? Like, really? And, and so um, I think no matter what they do, they're going to learn. The thing is, you got to get them doing. They can't just sit passively in your class and watch a video. They're not watching the video. They can't just sit around and listen to you lecture. 
They can't just sit and do nothing. That's worse than, you know, like hanging out with me and drawing pictures all day. <laughs> so, so um, an idea popped in mind as you're talking about that. How, what did, what did you do? Uh, or it could be, what have you seen to create these, these spaces where we do provide creative constraints and kids know they can work within that ecosystem. And there's that, that feeling of vulnerability to put your work out there, whether that's art, a written piece, a, a dramatic, it doesn't matter. There's anytime we put something into the world, we're asking people to be vulnerable. And, and for project-based learning, it's to be able to say, hey, I don't have to do the same thing as all my peers. And to create that condition in which kids feel safe to do that how did you create that space i i know um art is is and maybe can be a little bit different than say like, i'll say a traditional classroom because art naturally is all about expression but one of the big things that i keep coming back to that i want to be able in many ways i say it is like the foundation before we even think about changing teacher practices in some ways is what is your learning like well how's your learning space feel because you could have the best project but if kids don't feel safe enough to express their ideas because of fear of judgment by you or fear of judgment by peers or fear of judgment just in general they'll shy away from it and it becomes cookie cutter which is not also the expectation of the teacher so like I wasn't planning on that question, but it's just, as you're talking, I think it's such a missing element. And, and I've seen classrooms where I've tried to do similar types of like lessons, activities, design thinking, maybe not necessarily a full bore project. And you can tell right away based on 30 seconds in the room, if it's going to tank or not, because of, you can call it the culture, but really the, 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 the environment that has been developed and, well, you know, every, uh, every store-bought poster that you have that says like achieve or like reading is fun take all those down and burn them the only thing that should be up in your classroom is the work that the students or you have done the kids need to see that you do things that you make things that you write things if you're an English teacher put up your writing if you're a science teacher put up some science that you're interested in the store-bought stuff is crap yeah. you need to you need to show that this is what what it's about. Um, this is what you're about, and and show exemplars. And it goes back again. Every answer is do the project yourself. Yeah. First. Every year, I would have my exemplar and all the things that went into that exemplar open. And some years, I would kill it. Like I'd spend the whole summer making something amazing, just making it a perfect little jeweled box. And I would say, this is what I made. And, and it's awesome. And if you can be as good as me, that's great. And sometimes I would make an exemplar that kind of sucked. And I would say, hey, everybody's has to be better than mine. And they would say, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you got challenge it. accepted. But challenge accepted, <laughs> you old man. Um, and, and, but it's, you have to show your vulnerability as a, as a human being. You have to show what you've done and you can't be precious about it. And you have to take criticism. I don't know how many times a kid would come into my room with, and they would say to me, what were you trying to draw? Like, what was I trying to draw? I drew it. What are you talking about? But I didn't say that because, you know, that's what they say to each other. What, like, cause they're used to them each other failing or giving each other a hard time right and they would say that to each other and so i through doing work and expressing through and it was great because i got to work with science teachers math teachers history teachers english teachers by explaining their work in a visual way in a beautiful way it really helped it really helped them and and for people to say yeah well you're an art teacher it drove me nuts like like I wasn't born an art teacher. I, I know like I'm still friends with on Instagram, this woman who called me like, she's like, God, that kid's the most awkward kid ever. Like when we were doing an art project in sixth grade and I'll, and I still remember that, you know, it was right. in 19, it was in 1979. I got that criticism that I was an <laughs> awkward artist and I didn't let it go. And it's cool. Cause I got better and I'm, and I'm appreciative of it. And now I'm better than she is. So I'm yeah. kind of stoked. Um, 
Um, but Not, yeah, I, you're selling out art, art shows and everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, you know, it's important to, to put yourself out there and to put your work up and that you need to try, even like with, with you, you need to try when you're making this cartoon or you're making a comic book, it's okay to be a novice. It's okay to begin. That's where the kids are. And they need to see that's where you were too. But then you came up with a process that worked for you and that they can use your process or they could use another person's process. And, and, and that works in every subject area. And I wasn't always good at art. I wasn't always good at programming on computers. I wasn't always good at photography. I learned by doing it and critiquing it and looking at it the same way we want the kids to learn. And so when a teacher tells me, oh, well, I can't show my work. You're good at doing that, but I'm not. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> I, I, I wasn't born this way. I mean, I was born, you know, a fat little kid in Philadelphia. I wasn't like, this like artist now and 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 it's it's that 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 hypocrisy does bug me like when they say oh I couldn't possibly do it and I'm like but isn't that the very thing you're asking your student to do and so it's very important to do that I can see why people don't want to do projects because they just would rather give a test and grade somebody on a test and collect their paycheck and especially after the last three years I totally get it but like there are two things it's like what's well, a waste of time right. it's a waste of time and it's heartbreaking for the kid so like go into another job god i i implore you if you don't want to teach and you hate teaching and all you want to do is give tests and quizzes get a job any place else and you'll get paid double the money i almost guarantee it it's like and it's, it's a good time to do it right now because every job, every yeah. business is, is begging for help. So you, I know people that are making like 150 grand a year and they used to make $54,000 a year after five years of teaching and a master's degree. And now they're making triple that and, and, and nobody's harangue them. Angry parents aren't calling them. They go out <laughs> right. for drinks with their boss. It's, it's just like, I, I remember about the, uh, at San Diego City Schools, um, I was trying to get a job when I was younger, and the, the person in charge of, uh, of, uh, of uh, personnel said, look, Jeff, you don't have to teach. And I was like, oh, well, I really want to, you know, like, because I wasn't getting a job. And then I went, I had to go back later, years later, and I showed her all the work I had done at High Tech High, and she's like, oh, sorry about what I said. <laughs> like, well i'm glad you said it because i realized yeah i did have to teach and and um and it, it's a tough thing i mean i don't begrudge teachers and i and i know like there's a whole there's this whole school i'm not going to name the school like i named my son's college but there's this whole school that like low-key hates me because i'm the one that forced them to do I visited and and I and now they all are supposed to do project-based learning and they're like that asshole like <laughs> but it's like if you do the project yourself first you plan everything out it's so much easier than going in and, and lecturing all day long yeah and it, it's so much it's more energizing I find even though you're doing more work but there's always that when the, once the project is reaches a certain point there comes a time and place where you almost feel helpless because they really don't need you because they're such, they're so ingrained in the work themselves. I mean, yes, you're, you're not just sitting there like watching TV, but they're so independent because they are becoming passionate or they're so curious on how things are going to develop that you actually kind of feel like you're, you're not needed, you know, and you're still doing your job to make sure they're, they're doing what they need I mean, to do, but it's, I, it's a different feel like where I feel like if the old school teaching is, man, you're grinding every single day doing the same thing, which you have lost your passion for project-based learning or this authentic learning experiences. There's a lot of up end work, but once they get going, man, they, they kind of want you out of the way. And when they do ask for help, you know, they really want help, you know, well, because I, I know this is true. Cause I, I bullshitted my way into teaching AP art history. And of course it took a, I took, art history classes. I never took an AP class. And I got the book the summer before school and I read it all. I got, this is before uh, the digital age, but I got a, a um, I, I didn't need slides. I took pictures with this like video camera and I could keep stills on my screen. And 
I basically read the book to them, explained the kids the book, and I would drink a Diet Coke every class. I had it five times a day, and the kids were writing their notes and stuff. And then when the AP test came, I took it, and and I killed it. I got a five. I mean, I was awesome. They got threes, fours, and a couple of kids got fives, but they already knew their stuff. And I realized I learned so much because I was getting up every day, giving a presentation. And so when I was going to do it the next year, I said, I'm not doing this this way. I'm going to have the kids present their things and I'm going to give them a criteria. And I came up with one MSR method, subject, and reason. It's also my wife's um, initials too. So I knew I wouldn't forget ah, it. <laughs> and well I was played, like, well hey, and I came up, yeah. So the <laughs> method, how it was made, uh, the subject, what's the subject, and the reason why it was created. And then I added influence later. That's my next book, MSR, Jeff Robbins' view of, of uh, art history <laughs> and the world. Yeah. So method, subject, reason works for a lot of things. And so I had the students present and they learned so much. Did their grades improve? Mm, not really, but they learned, everybody learned something. They learned what they spoke about. They learned what other people said. And it's this idea that it's not the sage on the stage. Of course, the kids in the class, when they hear somebody speaking and I would get up there and just talk and gesticulate and move my hands around. And I knew some of the artists that we talked about and I would get them to send me a little video of them doing their thing and, and, um, and, and, and they had a fun time and they were entertained. And I felt like I was, you know, I felt great afterwards. I felt yeah. like a hero, but they didn't learn anything. Mm. And, and, and um, it's just, there's a huge difference. And then when I, I kind of wasn't having as much fun when I taught it the other way, I, it wasn't all about me. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, like if you're an educator and you want attention, do a podcast with a friend and <laughs> yeah. then, then you'll get attention. But you it's, not, it's not about you. It's about the kids and what they're learning. And if you can come up with a way for them to learn, it doesn't have to be project-based learning. You don't have, you just need to come up with a way for the kids to figure out what they understand and what they learn and have them communicate it back to you or back to a community. And that's, that's really what it's all about. And, and, um, and the daycare part of your job will then also be taken care of. Uh, that's the best thing about, like, I bet when you came to visit my classroom, nobody was screwing off. Everybody no, was no. And if there was somebody screwing off, I bet it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do remember that. I mean, they just all seemed like professional adults like they knew what they were doing um you know and you had your calendars and all those things they knew their checkpoints and all that stuff and yeah i mean it's just a i call it a well-oiled machine i know there's always there's always turbulence in any sort of project and in the moment learning but um they understood the deadline they understood where they needed to go uh, but it was up to them to figure out the pathway to get there um and that was obvious just sitting in that space and you know you don't you don't see that as much um anymore for whatever the reasons might be some of it's um could be because of the educator where they are in their headspace some of it could be district or school admin um things that are going on i mean there's just a whole slew which could be a whole nother podcast in and of itself but you know as we well, oh go ahead yeah no no, no, no no it's just it's the same old thing it's like the same, I'm, I'm getting, I sound like such a broken record, but if you do the project yourself first, you have the exemplar there and you show it to your admin and say, this is what we're doing. This is what I did. This is what my students are going to do. And that way you cover your ass. Yeah. You, another video I made is covering your ass. And I have my son, he was a little kid at the time doing it and it's adorable. And he's at the end, he's like, I don't want you to think I'm being condescending. And he's like, absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, even I know that he says, yeah. um, but it's this idea that you need to cover your bases. And if you have that, you can do project-based learning in your classroom and you go to your administrator and say, I'm going to try this something different. And this is what I did. And you show them what you did and then they feel better about it. And it's this idea of communicating. And you mentioned the calendar. I had a calendar on my website that had everything that the kids needed to know when we were doing things. It was on the website. I could easily change the date. It, it only took about an hour to, to every semester 
to put a calendar together of what we were doing. And then if a kid was absent, them and their parents could look at it. If a parent called up and said, hey, what's my kid supposed to do in this crazy PBL classroom? I said, well, did you go to jeffrobin.com <laughs> the project and see what they're supposed to do? And you can see all the work they've handed in so far. And they're like, oh, they, my son didn't tell me that. I'm like, right. yeah, 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 go for it. And yeah. so documenting will also let you be able to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do in a school. If you document and show the work you've done and the work your students have done, people know what's going on because otherwise they're going to guess. And if they see kids yelling and screaming in a classroom and they, and then they go and, you know, school, I know how schools are. I've been accused of the craziest shit oh, in I schools. Can, I can imagine. <laughs> and, and it's just like in a half of the time it's true, but the other, other half was just like no like this is what was happening and 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 I have documentation of it and they go oh well that person's an ass then. yeah but right. they were just worried I know they weren't jerks they were just saw me doing something different and got scared that they were supposed to be doing something different and they wanted to shut me down yeah yeah and, yeah yeah completely uh relate to a lot of that back when I was in the classroom and now doing some stuff with in, in other schools. It's a, oh, well, it's a problem with a lot of society, that lack of understanding. Um, we make judgment calls. We all do it. And, and once you can present the information to them, then it's always like, well, do you still feel that way? And if so, we need to talk. And if not, you know, there it is. What can we do to help support and make this stuff happen? And I think that documentation, is just you know at the end of this conversation, it's 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 so pivotal. The doing the project is vital, so you actually have an understanding of what needs to be done if it's going to work and and those types of things. Which by doing the project helps you create a calendar in an hour because you you've gone through the journey. It helps you figure out materials and costs and all those things. And I'd also add too part of the documentation process is when you've done it and you have these awesome stories and examples if you do need to go out and find money or write a grant you now have a you have your own legit story that people are going to be like man this person's going to get it done and we want to be part of this where if you're just asking you do, sometimes you can just come across as begging but if you say hey last year we did this project and we're and now we want to do this one and we need help it's a whole different narrative it's a whole different sales pitch you know and i think just the documentation teach kids how to do that so they understand their learning journey because they're not going to remember where they were in their headspace a month ago two months ago because they're kids like they know they did some learning but they don't know truly what that is and then when they go back and reflect on all that boom it's right there you know and then i say like in the world that i live in it's so great that if you document that stuff it might be the spark it might be the idea that another educator needs to get over whatever roadblock they're facing. And so it's, it's a, it's a win-win all around. Um, but you know, we can make all the excuses in the world of, of why not to do it, but the, the, the payoffs are tremendous and it just transforms, I think a mindset and confidence in the educator because they forget just like kids, students, community, you're building any parent that wants to know, yeah, what's going on in that crazy classroom with, with, you know, Who's that tall, bald, ugly guy running around looking like he's like he got like a chick with his head cut off? Like, oh, we're doing this. Oh, well, I want my kid in that. How do I get involved? You know, yeah. um, all really good stuff here. So I want to be respectful of your time here, Jeff. We've been chatting and I know I could talk to you for another two hours, but we've all got things to do and places to be as we kind of bring this, this to a close here. What other thoughts or lingering things do you have that you want to share that maybe we didn't we didn't get across? I know in the, in the show notes I'm going to have links to uh, both the books, the websites, your website. Um, you've mentioned your videos. I use those all the time, so it's definitely worth checking out. So I'll definitely in the show notes highlight some of my favorite ones. Um, and you, there's a wealth of resources that you've created by documenting your process that can help anybody. Um, but outside of that and those types of things. Any final thoughts or, or, or parting wisdom? Well, one thing is, um, I, I I'm not really I'm not in I'm not like an educational consultant in the sense that you know I get paid to do it anymore. 
And uh, nor do I really want to be like that. But it, certainly I would hope that anybody would feel free to go to my website and take whatever's there, take it a project, take an animation, take a process, take uh, an idea and, and run with it. And my website also has my email address on it. And I would be like, I, I'm just hanging out. Like I'm, I have a job, but I'm, it's easy for me to, to, to write back to you and to help you out and send you things. And certainly like, I will go like I I do fly off to places and talk to people and stuff in person and I I will do that uh, but I will also like for free talk to anybody and and help them through it or give them an idea. Um, I've played around with this so much and working at High Tech High and the way that we used to set up projects where we did project pitches and we figured out what what can two teachers do authentically with each mm -hmm. other. Um, I'm good at helping people with that. So by all means, like, you know, drop me an email and ask a question or see if I've done something in this line and I can tell you what I know. Um, but I, I would hate, I would hate for all the stuff that I've done to, to land, um, to, to just like exist and then go away. Um, I recently, uh, my son was in a really good class at, at Colorado College. I didn't mean to bag on it because it's a <laughs> lovely school, but he was in this uh, course about the history of education and he was writing about uh, John Dewey and he's like, hey, can you read this and see if I got it right? And so I read it and then I read one of John Dewey's books and then I read another one and I read another one and it's his prose are tough. It's not easy. I, what I love is he's the only education writer that doesn't reference anybody else. He just, there's nobody else to reference. It was literally a hundred years ago. And reading that and, and then like discovering some of the ideas that he had that have kind of, that like disappeared and, and, you know, it's past the first 15 pages. Um, I, I feel like, you know, there's so much that goes on in education and we forget so much and that we, we need to try and like pick up the pace and move forward instead of doing the same old shit over and yeah. over again. And when you tell a kid they're not up to the level they should be because they are right where they're supposed to be. And if you tell somebody, oh, your future's bleak because you're not doing this or you're not conforming and yeah, okay. So conforming is an easy way to become okay but it's not a way to excel. And, and, and maybe there's something else that they do that is, that does excel. And, and it's kind of, that's where education needs to go. You don't need to be project-based learning. You just need to meet the students where they're at and, and see what they're interested in and help them grow um, and take good care of them. Cause it's daycare, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's something that's, um, really coming to light, I think, in a lot of things happening in, in education, whether you're looking at your local news or state or wherever, you know, nationals, um, students aren't afraid to stand up now and say, I will not conform. And sometimes they don't do maybe do it the best way. But but this this next generation, um, the way things have evolved in society and, and through social media, things like that, there's good and bad to all of it, but they're not Going, they'll hold their ground and not conform. And so we need to figure out as an education system how to embrace that and use that to yeah. our advantage for authentic learning, for these powerful learning moments versus going, oh, we have behavior issues. The kids are in, in kid way telling you like it needs to change. And um, so if you're interested in anti-racist education, it's not what you're teaching, it's the way you're teaching it. If you're teaching it so that everybody has to conform to this one pillar this one you know stand and deliver idea yes that is definitely true that's gatekeeping it's it's racism it's keeping some people out and letting other people in and it's not what the subject matter you're teaching it's the way you're teaching it and the kids need to need to learn in their in their own ways and so if you really care about that you'll do you'll find another way to teach than stand up and you know, lecture. Right. I love it. Jeff, it's always an honor to speak with you. I'm so yeah. glad that uh, we got to see you in person not too long ago. I hope it happens again. 
And I appreciate all that you do for, well, not just me selfishly, but education at large and um, just your willingness to share stuff through your website and now putting together these books for people to uh, appreciate and learn from. Um, it's just invaluable material and ideas and resources for people just trying to find what that next step in their journey is, you know, and just take those small bits forward. We, we know what it can be, but you don't have to necessarily dive in all full force if you're not ready. Like start to learn some different methods and ideas and way to capture and way to do some things and then get yourself to a point. I think that you're ready just to now hammer it out. And I think, again, just like conformity with, with, with students, we know doesn't work. It doesn't work in our own professional teaching world either. We got to work where we're at. What's our point A? What's our point B? And, and keep making those strides forward. So always so appreciative of all that you share, all that you do and create, make and lead by example. And, you know, more importantly, just being upfront conversations. That That's what I love best about it. Um, you know, just sharing it like it is. And I really appreciate that. Oh, thanks so much for having me. All right, my friend. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation.